In a world where global communication is connecting us in many ways, we need to stay connected anytime, anywhere, any place. Welcome to the world of Athelos. Uh, welcome to Athelos World and this In Conversation podcast series. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by the Executive Director of the UN Global Compact, Netherlands, Linda Van Beek. Linda, welcome to our podcast. Uh, thanks for the invitation. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on. I know there's so much we need to talk about in order to address the challenges of the world, all the things that we all need to do collectively around sustainability. Um, but these podcasts are designed to be short, bite-sized kind of learning chunks. So um, we might not get through everything we want to talk about today, but we'll certainly try uh, to get as much covered and maybe we invite you back in. So, um, so just to put context around this, we journeyed through 2020 um, with what was many ups and downs and turns and twists um, with what was happening during the pandemic, working from home, digitization, acceleration. Um, but we knew we had to make sustainability more apparent in the work we were involved in, but also the way we move forward out of the pandemic. Um, and this has been apparent through all the trends that we've been seeing, certainly over the past couple of years. But we're also seeing some trends emerging as a result of maybe COP26, what's happened during the pandemic, working from home. Um, and I'm excited about what 2022 looks like. So I want to gather some of your thoughts, what you think some of those trends are. Mm -hmm. um, and also, one of the things that I know we talk about when we look, talk about things like climate action is how net zero emissions are being replaced by climate positivity but also sustainable products that just seem to be taking off last year, but are booming now. And I'm really excited and interested to learn your thoughts and insights on what that looks like. Um, so if, if I start perhaps with sustainable products, do you think that's something that's going to become normal now? And the reason why I say that is that we've been hearing a lot about Gen Z, and I think we're to blame of some of the assumptions we made about that generation, and we should apologize for assuming that they didn't feel um, the weight of the, the world in terms of what the future could be like if we didn't take action. From my interaction with Gen Z, Linda, I'm seeing that they're very much more conscious mm -hmm. and focused about sustainable products. Perhaps more than our generation, they're aware of climate change, they're aware of loss of biodiversity and also the responsibility that they can perhaps take in trying to fix some of these issues. So my questions to you, I guess, or conversation today is, can we expect sustainable products to become mandatory amongst consumers in the coming months and years? Mm -hmm. And if so what types of consumer products do you think we can expect to become sustainable? Yeah. Um, well, I think there are several uh, uh, consumer goods uh, that are getting more sustainable and also that uh, uh, the consumer is asking for that sustainability and also more interesting in the sustainability uh, of products. Uh, well, definitely we are talking about uh, food. I think the, the consumption of plant-based food is growing a lot and uh, there's a really good reason for that. 
but you can also think about other uh, products like uh, like fashion. Uh, for example, the Dutch denim, denim industry is a front runner in sustainability, and I think not many people are aware of that. Uh, but also, uh, when you look at uh, cosmetics, uh, there is uh, a growing attention for microplastics in cosmetics. Um, and um, it, there should be more attention for it, I think, because people are still, when they are buying these kind of cosmetics, they are not always aware, is, are there microplastics in it or not. Uh, but uh, there are also companies that decide that we are only using... Uh, only producing cosmetics without microplastics. So that's that's a good uh, development. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, all kinds of livestock products uh, that are using uh, uh, energy. Yeah. And do you, do you think that one part is having identification or communication on the product? So in terms of labels, so we've seen that already with vegetarian and vegan yeah, there's a little sign on there to tell you or nutritional information. Do you think that's something that companies should move towards? Will that help? Um, or, or do you think that there needs to be more work done in sustainable procurement and the supply chain ecosystem so that the questions are being asked by the businesses themselves of their suppliers of those products um, or packaging or material or raw ingredients? Are you sustainable? What have you done to address climate action? Do you think it's it's either or it's a bit of both mm -hmm. yeah um i think both um uh, so the, the consumer will uh wants to read more and better mm -hmm. information on on the labels uh but also the price for example is important and uh we still see that many products that are not sustainable are uh, much cheaper than products that are sustainable so either um and when that's still the case, um, uh, it will lead to, to the wrong uh, choices in the, in the supermarket, for example. So that's, that's important as well. Yeah. Do, do you think, so, so I, I have, I have a, a complaint, if you like, about exactly the point that you've highlighted. And it's a valid point, I think, for many families and household budgets that quite often you're compelled to do the right thing and make the right choices for your family in terms of nutrition, health, and environment. But there's a trade-off in terms of price point. And as you say, sometimes sustainable products are more expensive. Is this something that needs to be addressed immediately? Or is this something, in your opinion, that will take time because there's a lot of other moving factors as well? Or is it just something you know, for a layperson to think, well, if it's organic, then nothing's been added to it so where's the complexity um why are products expensive it doesn't make sense surely a bottle of water should be a lot cheaper than a bottle of another product a, a fizzy beverage because nothing's gone into it do, do you mm -hmm. think sometimes consumers are being taken advantage of? and i'm not trying to put you on the spot i'm just trying to sort of understand do we need to shift our thinking and have less expectations from the private sector in terms of where they are in terms of their, their sustainability journey or are we right in having these high expectations mm -hmm. uh, well, i think there will there will be a kind of movements and uh, developments in, in the right direction but it's, it, it takes time and i also think you you uh, cannot expect it only from uh, from uh, from business 
And so uh, mm. the, the role of, uh, of governments in it is also important. Um, uh, for example, uh, they, they are, um, if they're, uh, uh, they have procurements, for example, they can also play a leading role. Uh, so that's just the first step they can do, but uh, an important one. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's a whole conversation itself. And I think it'd be interesting to get someone from Gen Z in as well, or millennials, to talk about their experience and their sort of yeah. habit. It's also good that you, um, uh, uh, that you are talking about the, uh, the role of the generation uh, uh, sets. It's uh, because what we also see is that um, uh, the young professionals in the Global Compact Network in Netherlands, they really mm -hmm. uh, realize that their way of consumption is, uh, is crucial. Uh, for mm. example, uh, at Global Contact Network Netherlands, we offer a Young Professionals program. Mm -hmm. uh, in this program, uh, uh, young professionals from different companies are, are participating in an SDG leadership uh, journey and working on a sustainable project. And uh, one of the, of the last uh, teams that uh, uh, just finished the program, I'm really proud of them, they, they launched the A-World app in the Netherlands. I don't know if you know or are aware of that app, but it is... Uh, actually an official uh, platform um, that people can, can use on their individual level uh, to contribute uh, to sustainability and to take individual action on climate change. And it's a fun way how you can contribute and it comes from, from that generation. So I'm really proud of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you know, so that, uh, that it's such important for them. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I think the young professionals also program. Also, hope for the future. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just going to just going to echo. I think the young professionals program that you're running within the Global Compact Netherlands is a fantastic platform, but a movement as well. It, it, I mean, I've seen it. You know, over the past year, it's, it's growth and its development. And we'll say to anyone listening in that it's it's definitely worth looking into. Um, so please do reach out to the Global Compact Network for for that. Uh, Linda, I, you, you hit upon a note there that <clears throat> allows everyone to contribute, you know, and talk about this app. And I think that's one of the key things. So we're, obviously we're talking about trends uh, within sustainability and where we, where we kind of see, you know, ourselves as uh, representatives of organizations involved in sustainability, where we see that might, may go. And we talked about sustainable fashion, lifestyle products like makeup, um, food and drink and beverage. Um, what about, um, the contribution that we can make outside of consumerism. So I know we're talking about products and services, but what can we do or what trends do you think will be taking place at the individual level? Or, or is that too early to say, you know, are we, are we creatures of habit? Are we uh, followers? Do we wait for a trend to take place and then we follow it? What, what's your thought on that? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I think uh, it will come from both sides. So the uh, important uh, big developments like uh, what happened now in, um, in Glasgow, eh, that they mm -hmm. agreed on deforestation, for example, uh, it's also a wake-up call to uh, consumers and to uh, individuals uh, that they realize that uh, they actually are contributing to deforestation. And when they are just buying snacks or soap or leather or, or cleaning products, 
mm-hmm. the main drive of deforestation is the expansion of agricultural lands, um, uh, which is linked to the production of com- community commodities uh, we import, such as uh, soy, uh, beef, palm, oil, wood, cacao, and coffee. And I think many people are aware eh, about um, uh, soy and palm oil, for example, but not that all these kind of uh, the, the broad range of, of products uh, where it, it is in it. So this will these kind of uh, big agreements and uh, will help uh, to to give a wake up call to consumers as well. Uh, and then they are actually, I think. Uh, they will also uh, be more demanding uh, to uh, to producers and uh, to companies to um, um, these kind of elements. So it's a kind of yeah. Um, so, so I'm hearing that one of the trends that you're predicting or foreseeing is um, an awakening and a greater awareness and better yeah. communication and engagement between consumers and products and service providers. So I think that's key. I think that's that's certainly been missing for a number of years. Um, and I think that's, you know, I'm really looking forward to that, how that develops. One of the other things that um, we've, we've talked about uh, uh, pre the podcast is how we might see environmental social governance. So ESG investments will continue to rise. And we've seen a little bit of a, an uptake pre-COVID and during COVID. Um, so that's the form of investing within the environment and social good as a kind of guiding principle. And we've seen since the pandemic that um, ESG has become one of the popular sustainability trends to get involved in. So do you, do you think, you know, are we seeing investors and organizations that you work with realizing the importance of non-financial considerations and looking beyond profits in such challenging times? And, you know, we've got examples of BlackRock, who's the world's largest asset manager has now put sustainability at the center of its investment ethos. So what are your thoughts around investors and, and realization of non-financial considerations? Are we putting... Yeah. They play they play a big role in the sustainability. Uh, so these kind of, de- are, of developments are a crucial driver in uh, sustainability. Uh, for example, we see that companies that are issuing uh, sustainability-linked bonds uh, mm-hmm. And they are faced with a different type of um, of investors who are primarily more uh, focused on sustainability, and uh, so it also attracts more uh, another type of investor. So for the uh, so they um, and also the, the portfolio, for example, of uh, pension funds and insurance companies has been made uh, been made much more sustainable, and uh, that gives a snowball effect in the in the eco- economy. Um, a, f- a good example, I think, is also uh, that recently uh, a medium, uh, the uh, represent- representation of um, um, uh, of investors in the Netherlands, has mm-hmm. sent to all Dutch listed companies uh, a letter, uh, and they said, uh, "You're expected to prepare a uh, transition plan in the coming years in order to operate completely com- climate neutral, neutral uh, by 2040." Uh, at the latest, and uh, that plan that uh, should be discussed with the, with the shareholders. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are encouraged to uh, to have the greenhouse gas emissions uh, redu- reduction targets validated by the science uh, science based targets initiative. So uh, it is also a good example of what 
the role of these kind, uh, kind of investors can be mm-hmm. much bigger may, maybe than, for example, by, uh, uh, by uh, legislation. So, um, yeah. So, so that, that's interesting that you've raised, and I think that's a podcast in itself as well. And, and I think that's, that's the case of these podcasts, aren't they? That you, know, you can have enough of a conversation about something, but it warrants having a more detailed conversation. And I think one of the trends that you're referring to is that um, we, we obviously we've got Gen Z who are looking at responsible, responsibly sourced or produced products and services and their decision-making um, in purchasing from a consumer perspective, but now you've also got investors. So there seems to be two ends of the spectrum. And in the middle, you've got the business and the government really trying to sort of work out how they can do that. Linda, just before we conclude today's podcast, and we will invite you back, I want to talk about working from home. Now, mm-hmm. it seems to be, I mean, even today, you know, we're talking virtually, um, and it, it seems to be that the work from home lifestyle is whilst unconventional has been one of the sustainability trends because surprisingly it's it's proved to be effective um i mean obviously work from home took off as a necessary a necessity during covid19 but it turns out that it's been good for the environment so obviously we're not traveling to work in the same uh, place and whether that be by public transport or in personal cars um reduce the number of cars on road but also energy used by office buildings so thus reducing overall greenhouse gas emissions and fossil fuel consumption. Uh, it, most of the companies that have been doing this, certainly from the trends I'm seeing in the UK and around Europe, are tech companies or companies that have got technology, technology really embedded within their, their sort of business. And they've had staff working from home, full-time, part-time, etc. Is that as easy in your view for non-tech companies, so companies where technology doesn't play a central role or where technology can't be embedded. Mm-hmm. And the other part of that, do you think we're actually reducing our com- consumption of energy in real terms? Because if you're working from home, we're using electricity, we're using the Wi-Fi. So just some mm-hmm. thoughts around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, I think, also, we have, we have also seen that non-tech companies uh, went through a, a massive uh, 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 digitalization transition uh, during COVID. Uh, so it turned out indeed that uh, employees uh, are still very efficient. They can work from home. Uh, they don't need to go always to the office. I think uh, when I uh, some years ago, people just went to the office. Uh, they sat behind their desk, we're doing their, their own thing, and they go went home. So there was actually no reason to go for the, for the office eh, sometimes. Uh, so I think the good uh, uh, thing is that people now realize that uh, it's, it's not always necessary to go to the, uh, uh, to the office. And um, we can use the, uh, the digitalization to, to work on an efficient way. Of course, uh, uh, um, Green energy, sustainable energy is important, and uh, we are still. It's not like when you are not uh, driving to, to to the office that uh, you still have a sustainable uh, have an impact on sustainability. Um, I think in a way it will be a kind of here to stay, but uh, not uh, completely. So uh, most of the companies will find an, uh, a nice balance, I think, between. 
uh, home uh, office day, uh, work home days and office days. And I think that's good eh, because uh, there's also, also a social impact um, of uh, working working home. Eh? It has positive sides, but also negative sides. So it has impact on the, the, the teamwork and uh, the way uh, that uh, employees feel uh, that they are part, they belong to an organization, to a community. Uh, so, uh, but also sometimes working from home can be positive for so, uh, for social impact because it also uh, it means something for uh, work-life balance. Yeah. Um, so it's it's definitely something that uh, is related to many of the SDGs actually. So, um, yeah. uh, and I think the the uh, the solution will be find a nice balance. <laughs> Well, Linda, thank you so much for your time today. It's been absolutely amazing listening to your insights of what we think might be some of the, the top trends of 2022, certainly around sustainability. Um, I'm keen to learn a little bit more about this whole uh, work from home transition, work-life balance. And, and as you said, rightly so, um, I'm already seeing that there are so many of the SDGs that this touches upon. Um, it'd be good to see if we can sort of uh, capture that information and, and share that widely as well. Um, Linda, we'll have you back again, definitely. I think there's much more to talk about, not just mm -hmm. on what the trends will be around sustainability in 2022, um, but also the great work you're doing at the Global Compact Netherlands, not just with the Young Professional Program, but everything else that you're doing to accelerate uh, the SDGs. Um, but also, it's always lovely talking to you to find out what you're up to and how you are and, and how you're getting on with, with that journey. Um, Thank you for joining in today and listening us uh, to both Linda and myself on this podcast. We'll be back again um, with some more interesting guests talking about sustainability um, in this Athelos World in Conversation series. Take care and speak to you soon. Athelos is the magical wizard in communication solutions around the world. One number, one world. For information, athelos.world or athelos.com. Welcome to the world of Athelos.